stay together, church. My name's Joe, this is my wife, Cassia, and we are missionaries to the Dutch Caribbean. Yeah, so if you don't know where that is, um, those are the islands of Aruba, Bonaire, Curacao, Saba, St. Eustatius, St. Martin, and then we're also missionaries to the countries of Guyana and Suriname. So in these islands, um, there's just has never been an adequate representation of the gospel. We have six islands and two evangelical Pentecostal churches. You can do the math there and know that that's, that's just not enough of the gospel to go around. And so what we have been called to do is to plant churches where there are no churches. So the reason we call it Caribbean Forgotten is because we, the evangelical church, have forgotten these islands. We always point out that here they sit between two of the largest assemblies of gods in the world, the Americans and the Brazilians, and yet we, the church, have forgotten to take the gospel to them. And where there is no light, darkness is allowed to flourish. In Aruba right now, it is the least church nation in the Western Hemisphere per capita. That has to change. In Saba, the president has announced that they want to be the first fully homosexual island in the next few years. The darkness has been allowed to flourish for far too long. But did you know that if you're standing in a room and you block out all the light so that you can't see your hand in front of your face, all it takes is just one flame, one match, and you can suddenly find your way to a door and you can exit. We want to be that flame. We want to be that match and allow people to find the gospel and find their way out of the darkness for the first time. Yeah, our hearts are to be in the Dutch Caribbean. God put it in our hearts a couple years ago that it was time for us to move, move out of our comfort zone, move, where we, move away from where we are comfortable. And he's turning our heart to plant those churches. And we didn't know where. And we'll talk about it here in a minute in the sermon. But out of the blue, there was a divine appointment where a man of God came to us and said, we are planting churches in the Dutch Caribbean. Will you go? And we prayed about it. And we want to go. We want to go so bad. But we can't do it without your help. We need your support. We need you to partner with us and pray with us. And if there's, there's a couple ways you can do that. If you can go on CaribbeanForgotten.org. There's ways you can, you can see how to partner with us. And also, if you look at Caribbean Forgotten on our Facebook and our Instagram, that's a way you can keep up with us and know what we're doing. And you can see our prayer needs and what, and what the country's needs are. So thank you so much for having us today. We love to get to share our hearts with communities just like you. Because we can't do it without you, we want to do it with you. So thank you Together Church for everything that you're doing for the kingdom. Well, thank you, Pastor Steve, for letting us come and share our heart with you about the Dutch Caribbean. And it is just truly an honor to be at Together Church today. If you have your Bibles with you and you want to read along with, with me as I read the Word, we're going to be in the book of Ruth. We're going to start in chapter 1 and uh, verse 15, and we're going to read through verse 18. And this is Naomi talking to Ruth here in this moment. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people, to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever, for wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. 
when she saw that she was determined, and I love that word determined there. I don't know about you, but I want determined people in my life. They'll stick with me through thick and thin. And I believe we are also called to be a determined people, to be with our brothers, to be with our sisters, to be with our family. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Let's pray for a moment. Dear Lord, we love you and praise you. And we thank you for this day. We thank you for your blessings. And God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that for this day that it's no accident that I'm here speaking to together, church. It's no accident that we are that the people here are listening to this message. So move in our heart, move in our lives, and dear Lord, may it not be anything that I have to say, but Holy Spirit, just speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about being devoted and available. I I love this story of Ruth, and I think this is such a great story. And if you have time to read the whole book today, it's only four chapters, and it's got it's got a lot of good stuff. And it will be better than anything that you can watch on Netflix this afternoon. And a little backstory here with uh on, with Ruth here, um, Ruth is devoted to a lady named Naomi, and Naomi was a good good lady, a godly lady, and they lived in Bethlehem. And Naomi and her and her sons and her husbands, they fell on hard times, basically. And I'm from Calhoun County, Florida. So I'm going to have to ask you to excuse me from saying Naomi's, uh, her husband and her son's name, because if I do that, I will definitely butcher them. And I can barely speak English, so it's, we're going to have a hard enough time learning other languages in the Caribbean. But so Naomi... And her husband and her two sons, they leave their place that they love. They leave their homeland. They have, to, they have to travel to another country. They had to travel to survive. Now, I've never experienced famine and drought to the extent where I didn't have nothing to eat. As you can see, I've had plenty to eat. Okay, amen. And, but so Naomi is leaving. Her husband's leaving. Her husband takes her family, and they leave, and they go to the land of the Moabites, and they go to Moab, and that's where they set up house. That's where they set up their life to live because where if they if they'd have stayed in Bethlehem, most likely they would have died. So Naomi and her family, they were in the land of the Moabites, and they were living they were living life. They were living life, and her sons ended up marrying two Moabite women. One was named Ruth. One, the other lady, her name was Orpah, and they married them. And they were things were better. You know, things were hard. And I, like I said, I never lived through a famine. But I have lived through some hard times, so I can kind of imagine what they're going through. A lot of us, um, the pandemic was hard on a lot of us. We lost family members, and we had a hard time sitting in our houses, and the world looks different. Maybe even now, with the way the economy, sometimes we wonder what's going on, what's actually happening. And we can, so we've all experienced some tough times in our life. And but we also see God's grace in that. So Naomi is, she seems to be in good shape, right? But then she loses her husband. Her husband passes away. I've never lost a spouse, so I can only imagine the pain that must be. But I'm sure there was pain with that. And especially losing her husband away from her, from her extended family, away from her homeland. But Naomi still had her two sons. She still had someone to love. She still had someone that would also take care of her. But then a tragedy struck. And not one son died, but both of her sons passed away. And so now there's a lady who is up in age, who is a widow, and she lost two sons. And in that day and age, a woman just couldn't go to the office and get a job. 
that was her only means of income, her only source of stability was, her, was, the, was the men in her life. And so now we have a lady that is heartbroken, that is, she has lost her husband and she has lost her two sons. And she is sitting there with two daughters-in-laws, that they are also widows. And so we're on this journey, as we read, they're on this road, and I, I grew up on a dirt road. And I can imagine, so I'm sure there wasn't paved roads back then, so I can imagine Naomi and Ruth and Orpah, they're on this dirt road, and they're getting set out to leave. Naomi said, we're, I heard that it's good. I heard Bethlehem's in good shape now, that the, that the Lord's visited them. The famine, the drought is over. I'm going to go back to my homeland. And she looks at her daughter-in-laws, and she said, but you don't need to go with me. She looks at them, and she says, I don't have anything to offer you. That, like, what is the point of staying with me. I can't produce you more sons to marry. Y'all are still young. Y'all are still beautiful. You go back to your land. You go back to your people. You go back to your gods. They cried it out. Orpah left. But Ruth, there's just something different about Ruth. There is a, the, the call of God was on Ruth's life. And I love that she looked at Naomi and she said, you know what? No matter what, Naomi, no matter what, I'm going to stick with you. And see, she had the opportunity to go back to her gods. But even in the moment of Ruth's, excuse me, even the moment of Naomi's desperation, even in the moment where Naomi thought that God even like turned her back on, God turned his back on her, Ruth saw something different. See, Ruth, could have, she had the option to go to her gods, but she chose to look at Naomi and say, I'm going to serve your God. See, I think Ruth realized that the, the God that Naomi served was the real God, was the one true God. And Ruth said, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve your God. I'm going to be with you that no matter what, I'm going to be devoted to you. See, I think God has called us to a life of devotion. I'm going to say that again. God has called us to a life of devotion. And I think we can look at Ruth's life and how she is devoted to Naomi. I think that's how we need to be to our God. We need to be devoted that no matter what happens, God is first in our life. That no matter what we're going through, whether there's even in our best times and our low times, that God is first. God is priority. And see, we can look at how Ruth is with Naomi and say, no matter what. So wherever you want me to go, God, I will go. Wherever you want me to stay, I'll stay. Whoever you want me to talk to, I'll talk to. What, where, God, if you want me to go eat lunch at the same cafe every single day where I can be a witness to that waitress, I'll do it. God, if you want me to go to that family member that is rough around the edges, that they have never darkened the doors of a church, but they need the light of you in their life, I'll go do it. God, if it's difficult, if it's a journey where we're having to walk down dirt roads, we're having to walk through deserts to get back to where we need to be, I'll do it. See, Ruth was devoted to Naomi no matter what. See, God's called us to that life of devotion. And I can't think help but, I can't help but wonder, and I can't help but like, I, but see, you know, God has called us to a life of devotion, but God is devoted to us. God's not calling us to do something he hasn't done. See, Jesus lived a devoted life. When Jesus came and walked this earth, he decided to live as we did. He decided to take on flesh as we have flesh. And Jesus devoted his life to us. He didn't have to. He came down from the high place. 
He came down from heaven and he devoted his life to us. He felt what we felt. He felt pain as we felt pain. He had relationships as we had relationships. And when I look at Jesus being devoted, I can't help but think of it. Think of Jesus when he goes to the tomb of Lazarus. Lazarus was his friend. But what did Jesus do? Lazarus had the power, excuse me, Jesus had the power to raise Lazarus up. And Jesus, when he was walking to that tomb, I believe that Jesus knew that he was about to raise his friend from the dead. But what happens when Jesus goes to that tomb? Jesus weeps over his friend. Jesus felt what we felt. Now Jesus raised his friend up from the dead. And I think it was a sign of what's to come. See, Jesus was devoted to his friend. He was so devoted to his people that he literally wept over his friends. See, Jesus is so devoted to you that he decided to die on a cross for you. That he decided to die on a cross for your sins. That he decided to take your sin. He decided to take your shame. And said, that won't be who you are. Your sin and shame won't define you. But what I'm doing on this cross, when you accept me, when you call my name, that's what will define you. So Jesus is so devoted to you. He's so devoted to me that he died on the cross. And then he's also so devoted that when he was buried and when he was put in that tomb, that he didn't stay in that tomb. He didn't stay amongst the dead. See, we serve a God. We serve Jesus Christ. There's only one God that has the power to raise themselves from the dead, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus is so devoted to you that he rose himself from the dead. And that resurrection power that is in Jesus Christ, when you call on his name, it lives in you. That's the kind of God we serve. So if Jesus is devoted to die on the cross for us, if Jesus is so devoted to raise himself from the dead from us, for us, Jesus is so devoted that he sent his Holy Spirit to us, to be with us, to comfort us, to infill us. If God is so devoted to us that he's willing to do all those things, then shouldn't we be devoted to him? See, God has called us to that life of devotion. And I think we, we have so many people we can look at in the Bible that are devoted. We can look at Jesus, how he's devoted, and we can look at Ruth, how she's devoted. She had devoted, and see, Ruth, she was devoted to Naomi who had nothing to offer. So why can't we be devoted to Jesus Christ who has everything to offer? When, another thing here is when we're devoted to Christ, when we're devoted to our church, when we're devoted to our family, see, devotion leads to divine appointments. Devotion leads to divine appointments. Ruth and Naomi, they're traveling. They're coming back to Bethlehem. They're in their homeland again. Or excuse, Naomi's in her homeland. And it came time, it was the spring harvest season. And so the only way that Ruth and Naomi were going to get something to eat, basically Ruth had to go to the edges of the field and pick up the leftovers. She had to pick up the leftover grain. And that's what they, her and Naomi were going to eat. And she went to a field and she started picking the leftovers, and there was a man named Boaz that owned that field. And this is a great story. I want to encourage, like I said, everyone to read this story. And there's a lot of foreshadowing of Boaz and Ruth, and we're going to get to a little bit of that. 
But Boaz looked at Naomi, excuse me, Boaz looked at Ruth, and he basically said, who is that in my field? We don't have a picture of Ruth, but I bet she was a, a very beautiful woman. And Boaz, when, he, when, when Ruth caught Boaz's eye, he wanted to know who that was. See, Ruth was devoted to Naomi. She was in the field. She was doing hard work, but she was going to make sure that her mother-in-law was taken care of. And in that moment of devotion, it led to a divine appointment where the owner of the field saw her. And then not only did the owner of the field saw her, Ruth found favor with Boaz. Boaz called her to the front and said, Hey, I don't want you picking in the back. You pick with my maidservants. You pick with the women with the women that I've hired out. And, and all these guys that are here in this field, I'm going to command them. They're not going to touch you. They're not going to bother you. I've heard who you are. I've heard about what you've done for your mother-in-law. And you, you're going to find favor in this field. And we're going to make sure you have plenty. See, devotion leads to divine appointments. And I can't help but think about my life and this mission's calling that we have. We are just a... A couple years ago, we were selling pumpkins in Valparaiso, Florida. And we were selling them for Speed the Light and for missions trips and for a youth fundraiser. Hey, I will sell any, I will sell pumpkins for Jesus. And here's one thing I learned. Uh, we were in the area of Valparaiso, Destin, Fort Walton Beach. I learned that rich white women, they love pumpkins. I couldn't believe it. These little white women will come in their Escalades and they'll have wheelbarrows full of pumpkins. Two, three hundred dollar pumpkins at a time. And whatever, if, that, if you want a pumpkin, I'll sell it to you for Jesus. And so we're selling pumpkins. We're doing our whole youth pastor thing. We're doing our worship pastor thing. But we felt God stirring our heart to plant churches where there are no churches. And we didn't know where. Just a couple of times I opened up my laptop to send a resume to church planning organizations. I would call different uh, network officials. Hey, this is where we're at. This is what we're wanting to go. Is there... Is there a church we could maybe pastor and treat it like a church plant? We just, we feel God stirring and moving in our hearts to plant churches where there are no churches. We look at the map. We look at North Dakota. We look at Maine, the areas in the United States that didn't have as many uh, Pentecostal churches as we do here in the South. But we weren't released to do anything. We weren't released to send resumes. As we're selling those pumpkins, just being devoted to our church, being devoted to where God has called us to be. At that time, he called us to be in Valparaiso, being devoted to the ministry. A lady came by one day and took our picture and, uh, of me and two of my kids in this pumpkin patch, and she said, I would like to share this on, with our newspaper and let people know about your patch. And I said, absolutely. And I said, do whatever you can. I did not know she was going to put us on the front page of the newspaper. It is actually the first time that any man from Calhoun County has been on the front page of the newspaper and it wasn't the arrest report. And so we were on the front page of the newspaper. We liked it. We kept a copy of it. And uh, we are excited. That means more people are going to come to our patch. But what we didn't know, a couple that used to be our area directors when we were missionary associates in Ireland, we have not, their names are Tim and Marquita Sutherland. We haven't spoken to them in 10 years. We haven't seen or heard from them. They were a mile from our pumpkin patch. Marquita's dad has a condo in Valparaiso. They're on Tom's Bayou. God had moved them from the Netherlands to the Dutch Caribbean to plant churches because it's an area of need where there's not a lot of churches. 
And as they were praying one morning, doing their devotions, they were praying, and they said, God, we need workers in the Dutch Caribbean. God, will you send us workers? See, Tim and Marquita, they had the kind of faith that said, God didn't tell us to pray for the funds. They didn't tell us to pray for the finances, but to pray for the workers. And as they were praying for the workers in the Dutch Caribbean, as they're sitting at that coffee table, they opened up the newspaper, and there were Joe and Cassia Daniels on the front page of that newspaper. And to make a long story short, they came to our patch a day, two days later, and they said, will you be willing to go plant churches where there are no churches? And at that moment, I knew I had to do it. Now, I did the spiritual thing and said, well, let me fast and pray for two weeks. But I, that, I believe in fasting and praying, but at that moment, I didn't need to. The Holy Spirit dropped in my heart. For, he's been, he dropped in my heart months ago to do this. And I didn't necessarily want to go on the mission field. I didn't want to take four kids on the mission field. I, but when the Holy Spirit speaks, you have to do it. I didn't think much about selling pumpkins in a field in Valparaiso. I was just doing the little things. But when you're devoted in the little things, God can show up and do very big things in your life. Naomi, excuse me, Ruth was doing the little, it was, kind, it was the little things. They were just trying to eat. She was just picking grain. And that devotion led to a divine appointment where she met Boaz. And the great thing about Boaz is Boaz is one of her kinsmen's redeemers. That means Boaz had the right to redeem her and to restore what they had in Bethlehem, to restore her husband and her family's land, to restore their line, to restore their generation. Boaz had that right to do it. She met a man in the field. She went home and told Naomi what's, doing, what's going on, how she was blessed. And Naomi said, was so thankful and she said, but what's one thing? It's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you not to be married. So here's what we're going to do. You're going you're to go to the threshing floor. And you're going to do one simple thing. You're going to get made up. You're going to get dressed. And when Boaz falls asleep, you're going to simply lay at his feet. Because Boaz has the power to redeem you. See, Ruth had... I know that was probably a scary moment to go lay at the feet of a, of a man, not know and ask him. And she had to ask him, will you redeem me? Will you, will you lay your cloak on me? Will you redeem me? You have the power to do it. See, she didn't know what the answer would be. She had to completely do it in faith. She had to do one simple thing, though. The only way Ruth could be redeemed was if she made herself available. So I want you to ask yourself, have you made yourself available? Have you made yourself available today? See, Ruth, she was in need of being redeemed. But Ruth had to go lay at the feet of her Redeemer. And when she laid at the feet of her Redeemer, everything changed. When she simply made herself available and said, here I am, can you redeem me? Everything changed. See, Boaz was able to redeem her. Boaz was able to restore her. And just like as, as Ruth laid at the feet of her Redeemer, we can lay at the feet of our Redeemer. And his name is Jesus Christ. We talked about him earlier. And the thing is, Ruth didn't know if Boaz could, would redeem her. He did. But we know that Jesus Christ will redeem us. 
But we have to simply make ourselves available. We simply have to call on his name. See, when Ruth laid at the feet of her redeemer, everything changed. Boaz redeemed Ruth. And when she redeemed Ruth, that meant he also redeemed Naomi. And Boaz actually and Ruth, they actually had a, a son together. And that son became, was the grandfather of King David. King David was a line and lineage of Jesus Christ. See, when we make ourselves available, see, God can take someone that's hurt, that's broken, that has nothing to offer. But God can restore those lives. God restored Ruth and Naomi. I want to read one last thing to you. This is verse, uh, excuse me, this is verse 21. This is Naomi talking. When I left, I had all that I wanted. But now the Lord has brought me home with nothing. Why should you call me Naomi when the Lord spoke against me and the Almighty has given me so much trouble? Naomi came back to Bethlehem with nothing. She was hurt. She was broken. She even thought that God had turned his back. But see, God had such a great plan for her life. Just as God has a great plan for your life. Don't think that God can't use you. God used an old widowed woman without any sons. That had nothing to offer, but she got to hold the line and lineage of Jesus Christ. She got to hold the grandfather of a king. And it all started because Ruth was devoted. She was available. That availability, that devotion led to a divine appointment. And at the end of the day, she had to do one thing. She had to make herself available. And when she made herself available, and when she laid at the feet of the, her Redeemer, literally the whole world was changed because of it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you. And right now, God, whoever's listening to this message, wherever it may be, God, may they ask themselves, have I made myself available to you? Sir, ma'am, young person, will you ask God right now, God, have I made myself truly available to you? Have I made myself truly available to you? Have I, have I given you my whole heart? Have I given you my whole mind? Have I given you everything that I have? Have I given you every ounce of energy? Right now, are you willing to give God your job? Are you willing to give God your family? Are you willing to give God everything that you have? Are you willing to make yourself available? If you are, to say, God, I'm making myself available to you. You may be in your house, you may be in your room, and you feel like you may need to get on your knees and simply just pray, weep, worship at the feet of your Redeemer. You can do that if you want to make yourself in that position just to say, God, I'm laying here at your feet. God, I need you to redeem me. God, I need you to restore me. God, I need you in my life. God, I need your Holy Spirit power to indwell in, indwell in me. God, here I am. I'm laying at your feet. And I'm making myself available to you. If you want to do that, just do that right now in this moment. Dear Lord, we're making ourselves available to you that our homes can be changed. That our workplace can be changed. That our schools can change. That our church can be changed. That our city can be changed. That our nation can be changed. God, we're humbling ourselves and we're laying at your feet. And God, we're making ourselves available to you.
Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives. Lord, Holy Spirit, show us every way that we can be made available to you. May we be your hands and your feet. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much together, church. It has been an honor and a privilege to share our heart with you. May you be blessed in Jesus' name.